Good morning. Welcome. Glad to see everyone here today. Uh, it's a joy to be with, e- with each of you as we uh, share in this time of worship together this morning. We welcome our guests especially. You're very important to us. We're glad that you're here and hope that you'll feel very much part of our family as we uh, worship God together this morning. Let me remind everyone of our attendance sheets on each aisle on the, uh, the end of the row. We'd like to ask if you would to uh, take that and to fill it out so we could have a record of your attendance with us this morning and uh, give us your name and address and telephone number. And, and especially if you would like to receive our email newsletter, be sure to put your email ad- address on there. Uh, we uh, send that out every, uh, every week on Thursday, and it's a great way to keep up with the opportunities of worship and fellowship and service here at Community Baptist Church. And then if you would, pass it down the aisle after checking the appropriate box so that others can, uh, can fill that out as well. Uh, several announcements I have, have uh, to call to your attention today. Uh, tonight we will be uh, playing volleyball here at the church, and uh, so that's always a fun time. It doesn't matter how good or how bad you are. As a matter of fact, if you're bad, it's sometimes more entertaining, isn't it, Mark? <laughs> you just got to come and watch him play. That's yeah, that's worth it right there. So come and just come. <laughs> It's because I'm so passionate about it, Mark. I play hard. That's right. But it's a lot of fun. So please come and join us as we we play volleyball this evening at 6. Also, uh, we are beginning the the Lenten season. Uh, We started on Wednesday with Ash Wednesday during Lent, and today is the, the first Sunday of Lent. And one thing that that means is that we will be beginning our Wednesday Lenten lunches uh, this Wednesday. Uh, This is a tradition here in our community where we share lunch. The Body of Christ, an ecumenical group, uh, shares lunch together at different places around town, different churches around town. And, And this week it will be at First Christian Church. We meet there at 12 o'clock noon, uh, have a brief worship service of about a half an hour, and then share lunch together. And so let me invite you to come uh, begin this, this, uh, this tradition this Wednesday at First Christian. It will be held here next Wednesday, the following Wednesday, the second uh, Wednesday of, of Lent. And, uh, and so we invite you to be a part of that and all of the services. It's really a wonderful time to share in the body of Christ uh, with Christians from all across um, uh, Henderson and, and all walks of life. And if you would like to make a uh, contribution to our, uh, our Lenten lunch, then please see Jerry, and she'll be glad to take care of that. Uh, we, no, one is, no one pays for lunch. Uh, we do take up an offering during the Lenten season at the lunches, but that money goes towards a Good Samaritan fund that the Ministerial Association um, uh, sponsors. So uh, anything that we do for lunch, uh, it comes out of our pocket. So if you'd like to make a financial contribution, see Jerry for that, and we would appreciate it. There's also a Lenten devotion online. You can see in your worship folder uh, the, the link to that. It's a great little devotion. It doesn't take very long to, to go through it, just, a, just two or three minutes. And uh, so check that out, and they will send you an email uh, reminder every day to, to, uh, to look at this devotion, and it really is a nice little devotion. One other thing I'd like to call to your attention, uh, as, as many of you probably have heard, 
uh, Elbert Tapp uh, passed away yesterday, early yesterday morning. His funeral will be Tuesday at 11 o'clock at Rudy Rowland uh, Funeral Home. And uh, I know that uh, many of you will want to uh, express your, your sympathies to Leona and Lisa and, and Billy and, and others there. And I understand that, that Mo also lost his, uh, was it your father, is that right? Your fa- father-in-law this past week. And uh, so we'll certainly keep you in our prayers as well. Let's, uh, let's stand and greet each other in the name of the Lord. Hey, Lana, this song is for you, Lana. Lana, I'm good.
get me? How about this? There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There comes the youth group. Tegan, Hunter, are you going to stay over there? Well, you all know that who all, Nathaniel and Jake back there. I just wanted to take this second to say, if you all could have been at Pleasant Point Wednesday, you would have been so proud of our youth and our children. And thanks to Virginia and Kim Knight, we visited with the group at Pleasant Point. The kids sang songs. They, uh, the youth group went in and poured drinks for everybody, gave treats to everybody. Every one of our young ones went and visited all the senior citizens there. It was an incredible evening. So thank you very much for letting us do that. We're going to go back the second Wednesday of every month and meet our friends again. And I'm going to turn this over to the youth group, and they're going to talk about Lent and what to give up for Lent. Okay?
Let's everyone stand for this next song. This is uh, a Matt Redman song.
when the days drew near for Jesus to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. Luke 10:51. After almost three years of ministry, the time came for Jesus to confront the powers and principalities who were marshalling their forces against him. After three years of healing and teaching and showing his disciples what the kingdom is to be, the time came for him to face his destiny, and from that time on he set his face toward Jerusalem. Jesus knew what awaited him there. From that point on, each gospel takes on an ominous feel. From that time on, each step Jesus took toward Jerusalem was a step toward suffering. From that time on, the cross loomed large in Christ's mind and words. With each step, a part of him died. During this Lenten season, we will follow in the steps of Christ and extinguish a candle each week to mark the agony of each step toward Jerusalem that Jesus took.
filling in for my wife. She's under the weather, so I have the scripture reading today. It's Matthew 6, 1 through 6, and 16 through 21. Concerning almsgiving. Beware of practicing your piety before others in order to be seen by them, for then you have no reward from your Father in heaven. So whenever you give alms, do not sound a trumpet before you, as do the hypocrites, as, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets so that they may be praised by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward, but when you give alms, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your alms may be done in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Concerning prayer. And whenever you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, so that they may be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward. But whenever you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Concerning fasting. And whenever you fast, do not look dismal like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces so as to show others that they are fasting. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face. So that others, so that your fasting may be seen not by others, but by your Father who's, who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Concerning treasures. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust consumes and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your tre treasure is... There your heart will be also. This is the word of God.
Will you join me in prayer? Our dear and most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for all that we have, all that we are, and all that we do. All blessings come from you. All things come from you. We ask your blessings on these offerings. May you make them go far in your kingdom, spread your word. We also ask a blessing on the Pat family, sir. Albert gave all for his country. He gave all for his family. And he gave all for this church. So in the spirit of his giving, we ask your blessing on these offerings. song, I want to tell you a little bit about it. Uh, it's a new song for us. Uh, this uh, song is really a story, and it's a story that a lot of people can identify with. And many people struggle with depression. And uh, this is all about a story of one struggle on a daily basis. And uh, the name of it is called Today's a New Day. And uh, people who wrestle with depression, that's the way it is. It's one day at a time. More so than we that don't wrestle with depression, and uh, but it's all about one's journey and struggles, and how through God and His presence, through His Word, through prayer and study, that they're able to get through that day, and uh, and learning learning the power of the Word. And as the story unfolds through the song, you'll understand what I'm talking about. But that's the name of it. It's called Today's a New Day.
Here we go. Yeah, I think I'm on now. <laughs> yeah, we rocked out a little bit there, didn't we? That was great. Thanks, guys. That was really good. Uh, we're going to do something during Lent that we do, did during um, Advent. We kind of had a, uh, uh, a little different twist on things, and we had a good response from that. And that is to begin, uh, well, actually to, to allow you to help me begin my sermon. Uh, and we do that with a little teaser question that I want to ask you, and and you can answer this question if you feel uh, if you feel led to do so. Uh, now, some of you, as we have begun our Lenten season, uh, some of you may have already decided that you're going to give up something during Lent. That's something that traditionally takes place during Lent, and I know that not everybody has has uh, followed the Lenten season and done this uh, regularly, but some of you have, and some of you have already determined, I'm going to give up, fill in the blank, whatever it is that you're going to give up. And we don't need to know what you give up, because as the scripture that was read a moment ago said, we need to do our fasting in private. However, another thing that some people do during Lent, instead of giving up something, they may take something on. They may take on a spiritual discipline that they haven't practiced in a while. Uh, perhaps the discipline of reading your Bible every day or spending more time in prayer or helping the poor or reaching out into the community in some way. That may be something that you do as well. So the question is actually kind of a two-part question today. For those of you uh, who are giving up something, why? Why are you giving up something for Lent or adding a discipline for Lent? And the second part of that question is, how do you think that will help you in your spiritual journey? So who would like to be the first to answer that question? Uh, why are you giving up something or, for Lent or adding a discipline for Lent? And how, was that, how will that help your spiritual journey? I'm going out on a limb here, folks. Anybody? Ah, there we go. I knew if I wait long enough. I just didn't want you to have no one raise their hand. Um, I thought about this a lot, and um, with, uh, I was talking with... Uh, people this morning, and I work with a lot of people that are Catholic, so that was the big topic of discussion at our in-service on Friday, but I had decided that I was going to give up, um, thank you, give up buying things that were not absolutely necessary, not purchase anything that um, I didn't absolutely need, and I thought that that would help give me a better perspective, perhaps, on budgeting things and then looking at things that that are more important, maybe so I could have more money to give to the church or for causes or things like that. So that was that was my thought. Excellent. Thank you very much. Who else would like to to, to share something of uh, why are you giving up something for Lent or taking on another discipline? And how does that affect your journey with Christ? Anybody else? 
oh, we got a got a quiet group today. That's okay. And that's enough. That's fine. We'll get started with our sermon now. It is an age-old uh, story, but one that's, uh, that's worth telling again. Uh, an armed robber accosted a French priest on a dark back street in Paris and demanded his wallet. But as the priest opened his coat to reach for his wallet, the, the thief caught sight of his clerical collar And he immediately apologized. He said, never mind, Father, I didn't realize you were a priest. I'll be on my way. Well, the priest was relieved, of course, and and he good-naturedly offered the man a cigar. But the robber said, no thank you, Father, I gave up smoking for Lent. You know, I I don't know about you, but I wonder if he ever thought about giving up robbery for Lent. Well, one of the hallowed traditions of Lent is that we give up something, something that we enjoy for the duration of this sacred season. And usually, usually it means something like chocolate or desserts or soda or something like that. And, and this, of course, has opened us up to a lot of uh, a multitude of lame jokes. I know one civic-minded individual who said that he's giving up taxes for Lent. And another one has said, and I've said this one before myself, that uh, that, that he's given up New Year's resolutions for Lent. And uh, comedian Stephen Colbert, who I understand is a Sunday school teacher at, at his Catholic church, he said he's giving up cat, being Catholic for Lent. Uh, and it appears that the, the Pope is giving up being the Pope for Lent, you know. <laughs> And people may laugh at this idea of giving things up for Lent, but the idea originally was to share experientially in the sufferings of Christ. You see, Christ gave up his very life for us. So should we hesitate to give up something that we love to show our devotion to him? I'll tell you what giving up something for Lent does for me. I try to give up something that I partake of on a regular basis, something that I normally enjoy and and may take it for granted. I may take it for granted there. And so when the opportunity arises for me to want that particular thing and to almost automatically ask for that particular thing, the thought comes to my mind, no, don't forget, Tim. You're giving that up for Lent. And I immediately am reminded of why I gave that up for Lent. You see, every time I want whatever it is that I have given up, I am reminded that Christ gave his life for me. And it helps me to not take that for granted. It makes me more grateful for the sacrifice that Jesus has made on my behalf. And so every time I deny myself the item that I have given up, it is an act of worship and an act of renewed devotion. But even under the best of circumstances, the practice of giving something up for Lent has never worked 
completely. Dean Snyder said that he was doing some research on religion and, and eating. And one little factoid that he ran across was that in, in medieval days, monks gave up butter and lard and fat for Lent. And thus you have Fat Tuesday. You ever heard of that? Fat Tuesday. Or in French, it's Mardi Gras. That's the day before Lent begins. That's the, Lent begins on Ash Wednesday, and Fat Tuesday, Mardi Gras, begins the day before. It's kind of like a, a, a last hurrah, a, a one final day to eat rich, fatty foods before the ritual of fasting begins during the season of Lent. It's also known as Shrove Tuesday, and one of the rituals that many households observed, observe is that on Shrove Tuesday they will make pancakes and they do this to use up all of the butter and the fat and the lard in the house. Here, here in Henderson each year, the, the youth group over at uh, St. Paul's Episcopal Church have a pancake dinner on Shrove Tuesday uh, to celebrate Shrove Tuesday. And it's a, as a fundraiser for their youth group as well. But Fat Tuesday, or Shrove Tuesday, all began with the monks of medieval times who had a ceremony that they called burying the fat. And they would literally put butter in a casket, hold a funeral service, and bury it. And you know why they gave up butter and lard and fat? I'm not making this up, folks. (laughs) It was because to do so for these 40 days between Ash Wednesday and Easter would make them constipated. And this, they felt, was their way of sharing in the suffering of Jesus. (laughs) Snyder said that that he shared this in a staff meeting one day, and, and one of his staff members responded by saying, well, I guess so. And I guess there are all kinds of ways to share in the suffering of Jesus. But a serious response to this idea of making a sacrifice during Lent has been for many Christians to to fast. And a fast can mean many things. It can mean that we fast from one particular thing, like giving up something during Lent. Or it could mean, it could refer to the traditional practice of fasting, which is to abstain from eating anything for a particular period of time, maybe for a day. And medical experts are divided on the wisdom of, of fasting, but, but many saints have reported that fasting has brought them closer to God. According to John Maxwell in his book titled Partners in Prayer, fasting played a major role in the great awakening that swept both America and, and England in the 1800s. John Wesley, who was a founder of the, of the Methodist movement, and his brother Charles and other fellow believers regularly fasted and prayed. And in fact, John Wesley believed so much in the practice of fasting that he urged early Methodists to fast and pray every Wednesday and Friday. And he felt so strongly about this that he refused to ordain anyone into the Methodist church who would not agree to do that. I imagine that many of my Methodist minister friends are pretty happy that that's no longer a requirement for ordination, but 
But Maxwell lists a a number of, of Christian greats for whom fasting was a regular part of their lives. People like Martin Luther, John Calvin, John Knox, Jonathan Edwards, Matthew Henry, Charles Finney, Andrew Murray, and many, many more. You see, many people have benefited spiritually from the practice of fasting. But you know something? Even a good thing like fasting can be abused. In our lesson from the Gospel of Matthew, we hear Jesus say this. When you fast, don't look somber like the hypocrites do. For they disfigure their faces to show others that they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you're fasting. But only to the father, to your Father who is unseen and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now, notice that Jesus was not saying, do not fast. In fact, he seems to be endorsing the practice. He even gives directions on how to do it. When you fast, he says, put oil on your face and on your head and wash your face. In other words, fasting is good, but not if you use it as a demonstration of your piety. Not if you walk around and look like you're fasting. Not if you're... Not if you use it as a, demonstrate, as a demonstration that you're super religious. That's not the purpose of, of fasting. I've always appreciated the, the words of one of the early church fathers, uh, John Chrysostom, when it comes to fasting. He, he, he says this. He asks, do you fast? And he says, then, then give me proof of your fasting by your works. If you see a poor man, take pity on him. If you see a friend being honored, do not envy him. Do not let only your mouth fast, but also the eye and the ear and the feet and the hands and all the members of our bodies. Let the hands fast by being free of avarice. Let the feet fast by ceasing to run after sin. Let the eyes fast by disciplining them not to glare at that which is sinful. Let the ear fast by not listening to evil talk and gossip. Let the mouth fast from foul words and unjust criticism. For what good is it if we abstain from birds and fishes, but bite and devour our brothers and sisters? Wow. That's a pretty novel concept, isn't it? Have you ever thought of giving up gossip for Lent? kind of hits the nail on the head, doesn't it? But this passage from Matthew indicates to us that even a good thing like fasting can be abused if we use it to parade our own holiness and and proud piety. So what should be our intent for this whole thing of Lent? Well, the central purpose of Lent is to bring us back to God. That's the message of our lesson for today. If fasting or or making a small personal sacrifice brings you closer to God, that's all to the good. But it's important that we we do not lose sight of why we fast or, or why we give up something for Lent. Paul writes to the church in Corinth, 
that we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were making God's appeal through us. And so we implore you, he says, on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. There it is, folks. The whole point of Lent is that we should be reconciled with God. That we who have wandered away from God can come back home. And we may indicate our desire for reconciliation by fasting or by making a sacrifice during the season of Lent, but but that's peripheral. The most important thing that we can do is to confess here and now that we need to come back to God. And to make that confession, to say that we need to be reconciled to God is to confess that all of us, to some degree, are estranged from God. Now, there are members of, of this congregation who I know live very close to God, and I am in awe of your spiritual commitment. But let's not kid ourselves, folks. None of us is perfect. We're all sinners. Every one of us. There are gaps in all of our lives. There are emotions that will not heal. There are resentments that still fester. And there are prejudices that that come to the surface under stress. In a sense, we we are kind of like snowflakes. Uh, snowflakes are so beautiful and white, and they look so pure. And I thought about this a moment ago as the, as the, um, the band was, was singing, you make beautiful things out of dust. You make beautiful things out of us. That's what happens with a snowflake. A snowflake is so beautiful and white, and, and they look so pure. But listen to this. Every snowflake, every single one of them, has a tiny piece of dust at its core. That's how snowflakes are made. Water molecules grab a hold to a piece of dust, and the water kind of builds up to form the the snowflake from there. Every single snowflake has a tiny piece of dust at its core. And so do we. So do we. And that's why Lent is so important for us. It helps us to deal with that that tiny piece of dust that keeps us from perfectly reflecting the image of Christ. C.S. Lewis once noted that there are two central truths about human nature. First, he writes that human beings all over the earth have this, this curious idea that they ought to behave in a certain way. And secondly, that they do not, in fact, behave that way. They know they ought to, but they don't. They know the law of nature, but they break it. These two facts, he says, are the foundation of all all clear thinking about ourselves and the universe that we live in. And that's true, isn't it? It may not be fashionable to use the word sin, and it may sound archaic to some of us, but still, it is a central fact of human nature. No matter who we are, no matter how hard we try, we have not yet arrived at perfection. Children sing the little nursery rhyme, 
Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. And all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty back together again. And folks, let me tell you something. That's us. That's true for all of us. We are all a a broken people. And the only hope that we have for being put back together again is for God to touch our lives. There was a man in Wisconsin named John. John was kind of scary. He was a nice guy, but he was kind of scary because he was so big and bulky. and He was just one big muscle built like a fire hydrant. He was in, in his mid-twenties and was very active in mixed martial arts. And he loved to fight, you know. But one day, his family went to a church event. It was a community picnic hosted and sponsored by a church in his town. And the pastor of the church talked with him and invited him to, to come to church sometime. Well, John didn't seem very interested. But after a while, after some time, John showed up at church accompanied by his three-year-old son and and something happened to John in that church service something beautiful you see God the word of God took root in, in John's heart that day and it started to grow he went to church some more he took some classes and finally he joined the church well one Sunday John walked into church late I mean really late about now you know, <laughs> almost about sermon time. <coughs> and so after the service, the pastor asked him why he, was, why he was so late. and wouldn't put him on the spot. He was just curious. And John said he got up that morning and his car couldn't start. His car wouldn't start. He tried to fix it, but he couldn't fix the car. And so John got out his 10-speed bicycle, bundled up his kid, and pedaled five miles in a freezing Wisconsin temperatures because nothing was going to stop him from coming to church. Wow. If only all of us would would have that kind of commitment. But you know something? I've seen that happen in people's lives. You see, John had something missing in his life. He couldn't put himself back together again. But God did. And John's not perfect, but he's growing. He's growing in the same way that you and I hope to grow as we submit ourselves to the discipline of Lent and as we ask God to more fully and more completely fill our lives with God's grace. And of course, if we are reconciled with God, we are also more easily reconciled with one another. You see, the recon- reconciliation with our, our neighbor always goes hand in hand with our reconciliation with God. Anthony Robinson, in his book titled What's Theology Got to Do With It, tells a story about uh, a Palestinian Christian priest named Elias Shakur. It is said that Shakur grew tired of presiding over the sacrament of communion in his congregation. And the reason why was because he knew that many of his parishioners hated each other. Some had not talked with one another in years, even decades. 
Some of them bore grudges that dated back to the previous generation. And so one Sunday, Father Shakur locked up and barred the doors of the church. And then he told his congregation that he had no intention of presiding at the sacrament of communion or of unlocking the doors of the church until those who were at odds with one another confessed their sins, offered forgiveness, and gave peace. And what followed was nothing short of a miracle. After a few moments of stunned silence, one person, a policeman, stood to his feet and he confessed his misdeeds and he asked for forgiveness. Others followed. Many others followed. And so when the Lord's Supper was finally celebrated, it was no mockery, no longer a mockery. It was a sacrament in which the members of that congregation recognized one another as the body of Christ. My friends, let me encourage you to make some personal sacrifice during this season of Lent. The discipline of doing so will help to remind you that you're not perfect. None of us are. But that God is working in your life. And that Christ has given his life for your imperfection. But most importantly, live the life that Christ's Spirit, of Christ's Spirit, authentically every day. Not piously, not making a show of your religion, but authentically following the way of, of love that Christ has shown us to live. Our world is hungry for an authentic sign of Christian devotion. So that should be the primary objective for this season of Lent. If you profess Christ as your Savior and Lord, then don't go, don't go home and snap at your family tonight. If you stop by a, a, a restaurant on your way home, don't be impatient with the server because they're a little slow. Show, the, show genuine Christian love and, and goodwill in action. Be reconciled to God. Be reconciled with your neighbor. These sacrifices that we make during the season of Lent, they're, they're not a sign that we are any better than anybody else. In fact, it's just the opposite. It's a sign that we are all sinners dependent upon the grace of God. And so fast in a way that John Chrysostom recommended. Fast by your good works, like our children did at Pleasant Point this, this week, as they gave up selfishness for Lent. Fast by your good works. Fast through your deeds and your love. Show to others what Christ has done for you. And remember it yourself, that Christ gave his very life for you. Amen. Let us sing together number 182, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. And I hope we recognize during this season that we do have a friend in our Lord Jesus Christ. And I thank God for it.
I thank God that, as Jesus said, there's no greater friend than this, that one would lay down his life for a friend. That's exactly what Jesus did for you. He laid down his life for you, friend. Maybe you've never made a commitment to Christ and you haven't accepted Him as your Lord and Savior. We invite you to do that today as, as we sing together. Maybe it's time for you to say yes to the Lord. Yes, I want to be your friend. Yes, I want you to befriend me. And I want to accept the grace and the love and the forgiveness that you have and that you demonstrated to us through your death on the cross. You did that for me. And I'm grateful for it. Maybe you'd like to come and unite with our church as we seek to be the imperfect church that we are, but we seek to follow the ways of Christ. Or maybe you just need a time time of prayer today. We invite you to come as we sing together number 182. What a friend we have in Jesus. Would you come? May we go from here believing that the Lord has heard your prayers, that the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your needs. God will make you strong, and you shall be like a spring of water refreshing others, for God goes with you. Amen.